Beloved congregation, this morning we had the Lord's Supper administered, and a number of you have attended. Others did not have that freedom, or did not feel they're allowed to. Tonight we have a service reflecting on that. So we call it a reflection service, right? We reflect on the Lord's Supper. We revisit the celebration of the Son of the death of the Son of God. And then there are many questions we can ask. Why did I attend? Why did I not attend? Was there a blessing in attending? Was attending different than other times before? Should, how should I respond to this celebration? And questions like, would I ever be able to attend? Should I care? How would I care? What should I do? Is there nothing you could do anyway? There are many questions. We can go many different directions tonight. But the focal point tonight will be on this that the Lord does not call everyone to attend, but that he calls all of us to repent. So not call all of us to attend, but he's calling all to repent. And that calling to repentance for the first time that when the Lord calls unconverted ones is in a way not different than the call that is repeated. Our call to repent. But if someone has repented already, does that person need to repent again? If someone is a child of the Lord and may attend the Lord's Supper, then supposedly there was that conviction of sin, that deep conviction, that repentance, that sorrow. Is it only one time thing? Or is it something that repeats itself? Or that must be repeated? Well, we have many examples in the Bible of God's children repenting again. Repenting again, like David, right? And Moses and the disciples, so the calling to repentance comes to an unconverted one in a very similar way as it comes to others. Or do you think that Psalm 51 is only a psalm of repentance for God's people? Or is there repentance written in Psalm 51 also the repentance of the first time? Well, it is at least very similar. I know David is asking, Lord, bring the joy of salvation back. And unconverted ones don't have that. They don't have that memory of that joy. And yet, it is similar. So the text for this service is from Isaiah 45, 
verse 22. There's a text for unconversions and a text for God's people as well. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is none else. So far. The Savior's calling with the help of the Lord four thoughts. Who is calling? Who is saying that? Look unto me. Who is that me? Who's calling? Secondly, a worldwide calling. And be saved all the ends of the earth. That is worldwide. In the third place, a genuine calling. Look unto me and be saved. It is a calling that is so deep it works in the hearts of God's people or sinners. And they begin to look unto him. And they will be saved. And in the fourth place, an insistent calling. Because we read four. For I am God and there is none else. The Savior's calling. Who is calling? A worldwide calling. A genuine calling. An insistent calling. Congregation, I told you a few weeks ago that I looked at a book in my, in my book, book, in my, in my book shelves, and I took out the book of Isaac Ambrose. Do you remember that? I quoted a few things. I put it, the book back on its place with the A, Isaac Ambrose, one of the first books in the row. And I looked at the book close to that of Theodor Avink, a Dutch theologian, Theodor Avink. And he was writing, he, is, he has a few sermons in that book, also on this text. And I read that sermon, and I loved it. And I read it again. Twice. I don't do that too often. That I read it soon twice. Made such an impression on me. And I can't help it. I have a desire to also preach it now. And if people will be able to read that Dutch sermon and compare it to the sermon tonight, they would see that I have read it. They would see similarities. And I'm not ashamed of that. Because it's yet my sermon with different ways of saying things and adding things and editing things. But I want to be honest and upfront about it, that that sermon has had a huge impact on me. Look unto me, be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Now before I go there, for the young people, 
I think of the year 1850, to be precise, January the 6th. And I see that in England somewhere was a snowstorm, huge, heavy snowstorm. And I see a young man, 18 years old, trudging through the snow and the snow drifts, and he hardly knows where to go. It's dangerous. But then he sees a little church, and he just makes his way to the church and feels that the door is open and locked, and it's unlocked, he goes inside. And it's all church, have a few people gathered. But it was very inclement weather, and not too many people showed up. Few, actually. Even the pastor was not present. And they were wondering what to do. To read something, or to pray somehow together, or to just go home, or to just wait, or sing, or... And one of the deacons said, I will try. One of the deacons opened the Bible and read Isaiah 45. And then said a few words on our text. Look unto me, be saved, all the end of the earth, because I am God and there is none else. And that 18 year old young man listened as he had never listened before. He just struck him right in his heart. And that made it so irresistible, so powerful. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. I am God, and there is none else. That is the beginning of the conversion of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He loved this text. It was the text the Lord used for his turning around, for his repentance. Look unto me, be saved, all the ends of the earth. I'm God, there's none else. And the deacon repeated himself quite a bit. It was only a ten-minute sermon, but the Lord used it. And what a blessing it would be tonight if someone somehow had to be here in church and would listen and hear and it will become personal. Look unto me. Be ye saved. All the ends of the earth. For I am God. And no one else. If someone be taken into the net of the gospel. And drawn unto the Lord. Who is calling? Look unto me. Who is me? What do you think, children? Maybe you say, oh, that is the Lord. What do you mean? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, triune God, look unto me. Who is me? Well, let me just give the answer and then explain it. It is the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus says, Look unto me and be saved. So how do I know that? 
Well, when I look at this chapter, and I look at verse 23, the next verse, then I'm just wondering what that is about, right? I have sworn by myself the word that's gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not, not return, that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. It says in the next verse, that unto me every knee shall bow. Say me. And every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. And that same text is used in Romans 14 in this way. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it's written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So that is proof, right? That to look unto me is the Lord Jesus. So throughout this sermon tonight, realize that, that the Lord Jesus is God, the second person, the Son of God, the mediator, he who took upon himself a human nature, was born out of Mary, grew up, suffered, died, preached, rose, is at the right hand of God the Father, he is calling the Son of God. He is inviting. He is the friendly one. Look unto me and be saved. In verse 21, we also read of the word Savior. A word that is used for both the Father and the Son. Look unto me is the deliverer the rescuer, the redeemer. What a caller. He is calling the Lord Jesus. He was equal unto all his brethren in all things except sin. He has such lovely names. He is so precious in his offices. He's the only way of salvation. And he is saying it. Look unto me. There's no other way of salvation. He is the only one who can bring sinners to God. Look unto me. He is the Almighty One. He quickens even from the dead. So tonight it's not me calling you. Not me calling you. It's not say look unto him or look unto there. No, it is the Lord Jesus himself tonight. He is in our midst tonight, in the clothing of his word. And he is saying tonight, look unto me and be saved. Quite something. He is alive. The Lord Jesus is. He sits at the right hand of God the Father. And it's quite something that tonight he is in our midst that way. Now suppose that the Lord Jesus would visit us tonight in his human nature. That's 
strange minister. I know. But think about how it would be if he himself, the Lord Jesus who was on earth, right? The disciples saw him. The same Jesus would be in our midst today. And they steadily go from person to person and say, look upon me. Look upon me. It would make such a deep impression if he himself would do that. I don't know. He did that also when he was on earth. And yet so many ignored him and neglected such great salvation. But don't forget that although the Lord Jesus is not present in his human nature, he is present tonight in his divine nature. And he is calling. He is calling. Repeat for yourself, tell the son, he is God. It's the Lord Jesus. Secondly, a worldwide God. Look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth. So who is he calling? So if you lay your hand on the text, you cannot see it anymore. And just think it through with me. Who is he calling? Is he calling the concerned one? Is he calling the ones who behave well? Is he calling the tender-hearted? Is he calling the meek? Is he calling the Gentiles? Is he call- who is he calling? Well, it says, all the ends of the earth. There's the feeling that Israel was in the center of the world and that around Israel were all the nations. And the Lord is saying, look unto me, all the ends of the earth, all the ends, all the corners, just everywhere. There's no place where the gospel shouldn't go. It goes over the whole entire earth. It is coming indiscriminately, it says in the, in the confession. No difference. All the ends of the earth, all the Gentiles, all the heathen lands, all of them deprived from the truth, all unfamiliar with God, all them confused, all the idolaters, all the atheists, all the atheists, all the Gentiles, all of them who have absolutely no room in their heart. But there's more to this. Are we not all by nature Gentiles? Even when we're exposed to God's testimonies, included here are the most notorious sinners, publicans, sinners, adulterers, greedy people, lovers of money, worldly people, ungodly people, them sinning against their own body, the indifferent ones, the cold ones, the Pharisees, the despisers of Christ, the unbelievers, the liars. He is coming to all people, to all of them. He brings the word, and he speaks to all of them, 
look upon me and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth, be ye saved. Acts 10. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Whosoever. Do you remember Proverbs 8? You may want to read that tonight again. It's just one chapter, Romans 8. Romans 8 is about wisdom. And it says, time again, she, wisdom is she, because the word wisdom in Hebrew is a feminine word. So it says she. But actually it refers to the Lord Jesus, if you read well. And let me read a piece from that. Does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice? Her voice, it's the Lord Jesus, his voice. She standeth in the top of high places by the way of the places of the path. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in at the doors. Unto you, all men, I call. And my voice is to the sons of men. All ye simple understand wisdom, and ye fools be of an understanding heart. See, wisdom, the Lord Jesus, is calling all those men in the gate, all those men in the city, all those men close to him, whoever they were. Do you have no impressions? And don't you ever listen to a sermon? Have you hardened your heart? Have you so far lived in sin? Are you addicted to your bosom sins? Here, here, look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth. So your name is included in that. All the ends of the earth. Whoever you are, you're here in the earth. And the Lord Jesus himself calls the whole earth and calls us also included in there. So Jesus is calling. He's calling the young man ending up in the road church. Spurgeon, he called him. And today... The second person speaks again. Look unto me all the ends of the earth. You may not have had God-fearing fathers and mothers. Maybe you're not raised in church. You did not go to Christian school. You're involved in, in a sect or whatever it is. All the ends of the earth. Enemies of God. Enemies of Jesus. Enemies of the gospel. Enemies of the truth. Yes, enemies of the truth, enemies of God's people, mockers, murderers, you that are bitter against God. He is calling you. 
He is saying, look unto me. You're so foolish. Look unto me. All the ends of the earth. But a deep impression, John, or I mean, Charles having Spurgeon had a deep impression because it was that the Lord singled him out. He just happened to be in the church. He just happened to hear this text. He just heard it in such a personal way. And so the Lord is still at work. Third thought, the genuine calling. Look unto me. The Dutch translation says, turn to me. So who is right? The English version, look unto me, or the Dutch version, turn unto me. Well, I looked it up, and the original Hebrew word means to turn around in order to look. So when you call someone to turn, then you ask the person to turn around so you can say, so he, can, so he looks at you. So that is the word. Turn, and you look and turn. You are looking the wrong way. Look unto me. So we people have turned our backs to God, right? Walking the wrong way. Away from the Lord. And we don't see it. Until the Lord opens our eyes for it. And if you see I'm on the wrong road, I'm going in the wrong direction, then it begins to dawn on people. In Jeremiah 49, verse 8, the word look is also found in the context to the word flee. So you can translate look unto me or turn unto me or flee unto me. It's all the same. But a flee unto him is fleeing to the Lord Jesus. Right? He says, look unto me, turn unto me, flee unto me. It's not God the Father speaking, it's the Lord Jesus speaking, saying, seek it all in me. So the Lord Jesus is looking, and he wants sinners to look at him with intent. It is a looking of the heart. It is a looking of one who has no other options left. It is the turning unto the Lord of someone who does not like to turn anymore. It is quite a turning around that we know that God's righteous that he must punish sin. Oh, look unto me, the Lord says, in the midst of your misery. Or oh, believe in him. What else is that looking, fleeing, turning? Then repenting and believing in the truest sense in him. This looking 
this turning, this fleeing, is always in the context of danger. Think of the Israelites bitten by serpents as to look, to turn and to look and to flee unto that brazen serpent. It's in danger. It's not just a casual choice. So it's like, oh, let me decide. Let me decide to follow the Lord Jesus. It is not something of your brain, something of an outer obedience. No, that looking is a free and a turning of the heart unto him. A looking in danger. The looking of someone who sees the sufficiency of Christ's work. The soul sees all he or she is in need of. The light, the bread, the water in Christ's salvation. But nobody looks and nobody turns and nobody flees unless the Lord has worked in the heart that awareness of sin and guilt. The Lord makes room in the hearts for it. Otherwise, nobody is looking. That's how deep he fell. But the Lord shows his ability to save them. And the Lord shows also his willingness to save. Turn unto me all the ends of the earth and be saved for I am God and none else. So it is necessary to see the need of fleeing and the ability of the Lord to turn us around and the willingness of God. But there's more. If you have a need and you see the possibility, and you see the willingness, then you're not safe yet. What's missing? What we need is to turn unto him, to flee unto him, to seek salvation only in him. To come unto him, come all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We need to look upon him, to actually come and receive him, and to truly, I don't mean this in a flippant way, to believe in him. What a wrestling that can be. Is he willing? May I come? May I come as I am? Do I have enough conviction of my sins? What we need is to look upon him and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then that peace descends in our soul. Then the heart is calm. Then the soul is rejoicing. Then, in other words, we need to enter through that gate, right? Think of Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. That gate. Before the gate, it can yet be anything. 
can be right or wrong. We don't know. You'll see. But someone has to go through that gate. This all decides you, look unto me and be ye saved. That looking unto him that is connected to the being saved. And be ye saved. It doesn't say save yourself. It is in the passive sense. Be ye saved. Let him save you. Don't do it yourself. Don't get involved in the sin that you work hard for it. Let him do it. Look unto me, and ye shall be saved. Be ye saved. There's also part of the invitation or the calling. Saved from what? We saw this morning already. Saved from the guilt of sin and the power of sin, the punishment of sin and the pollution of sin. Also being saved from the curse of the law and saved from the power of Satan. It includes much. Look unto me. What is that? Is that the command? Is it invitation? Is it something like, well, if you want to, you're always welcome. Or is it more than that? Look unto me and be ye saved. It's a command. It's such a loving command. It's not so the Lord says, well, only if you want to. No, he has no pleasure in the death of the sinner. And that's why he is saying this. Genuine calling. He makes also genuine. And then finally, an insistent calling. The congregation have heard that the Lord Jesus himself spoke. And that he said, Look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth. And then he is adding a strong note. For I am God, and there is none else. So why not? How do you dare not? Because he is God. I am God, so who is more precious? How foolish. If we don't look, if we don't flee, if we don't turn, he is God. He is the only one. I am God. You should not reject this message because he is God and there will be consequences. Turn. I am God. None else. There's none else to go to. There's only one name by whom we must be saved. And we see it often emphasized in this chapter. Several times, let me read it. In verse 6 already. They that may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. 
And in verse 18, he has established it, he created it, not in vain. He formed it to be, to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. And also in verse 21, Tell ye and bring them near, yea, let them take counsel together. Who has declared this from ancient time? Who has told it from the time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. So this is four times or so in this chapter. Turn unto me, all the ends of the earth. Be saved, for I am God. And none else. Don't look anywhere else. Lord Jesus speaking, seek it alone in me. And don't fool yourself. Where else do we seek it? Congregation. Are we saving ourselves? Do you attempt to make yourself acceptable in God's eyes? Do you take some gifts along to the Lord? Do you come or do you come stripped from all righteousnesses? He is God alone. He saves alone. He does not appreciate any help, any attempt to bribe. It is offensive to him. Do you have a bottle with tears for the Lord? A load of impressions, some trembling, some brokenness? Or would you love to have more brokenness, more conviction? I know, without brokenness, without conviction, nobody would come. But do not use the measuring stick. There are no additional costs. I am God, and there is none else. You don't need more. So, congregation, young people, children, have you heard the invitation? The Lord Jesus himself tonight said to you, Look unto me, be saved, all the ends of the earth. I am God, and none else. Do you not realize how good, how friendly, how willing the Lord is to save you from the wrath of God? Do we choose the world over this Jesus? That is sin. If we do not believe, we are condemned already because we did not believe in the only begotten Son of God. Maybe you consider yourself to be a Christian. You hope to be saved and to go to heaven. However, do you understand our text and have you looked upon him? Have you fled? Have you turned? Has something changed in your life dramatically? Turned unto him. Was it included also for you all the ends of the earth? What drove you out to Christ? What did you find in him? Maybe you flee to Jesus once in a while when you are sick or when you're in trouble 
or when there are problems in this life, all the trouble, but that you flee unto him for your sins, to be saved. Dear friends, what keeps you back? Do you know better? And are you ignoring the Advent child? Are you ignoring him who is saying, look upon me? Do you like to die and be lost? The most painful thing in hell will be to remember that calling. Turn unto me. Turn unto me. And you just will realize it now. Did you hear that? And that you refused it. John 5 is 40. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. Be something. To have that in experience in, in, in hell. You did not want. Are you despising the Lord Jesus? Consider what you are doing. Harden not your heart. If someone would offer you a car, a business, a farm, a house, for free, you'd say, please. And now the Lord is preaching salvation. He looked the other way. If you don't want to turn unto him, do you even believe that he means well? I am afraid that some of you just openly say, I don't know if he means it. Are you waiting until you receive an invitation? You have an invitation in this text. You don't have enough conviction, but also the convictions are a gift. Or you don't, you don't know if you are an elect or not. You're called a sinner here. You're discarding sinners and ungodly ones and Gentiles. You don't need to know beforehand if you are an elect. Suppose that God's people first had to know, had to find out if they were an elect. And if they found out so, then to believe and then to flee to Jesus. Nonsense. To be the death for God's people. The Lord is not inviting his people. He's not inviting the elect. He's inviting ungodly ones. And that is the name of God's people. That's how they feel. The world. Ungodly. And seekers, concerned ones, do not forget it is also Satan's most desire, most serious desire to kill you before the gate. He is a murderer. And Tedos Avink writes that he believes that Satan hates God's people so much because he does not get the invitation to be saved. 
I don't know. Maybe it is true. There is no salvation for Satan. Is that what makes him live it? Maybe. But don't believe in Satan. The Lord is the same yesterday and today and forever. Oh, he gives the impression that not believing, I'm talking about Satan, Satan gives the impression that not believing is better than believing. That's the theology of some people. Don't believe and be proud of it. Is that your theology? Don't believe. That's wrong. And be proud of it, proud of it that you don't. But our dear congregation, may it please the Lord to give us ears today. I know. I'm happy there's an election. I'm happy to hear that the Lord is doing all the work, that nothing comes from man's side. Be ye safe. And beloved Christians, you may have attended this morning. You have seen something of the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit opened the word word to you and you discovered that you had been looking in the wrong direction. You looked for salvation. You couldn't find it. But there came such a great unrest in your heart. And the world and sin did not satisfy you anymore. And the Lord convicted you of your foolishness and your inability and your love for sin. He broke your heart. He began to, you, you began to look for salvation. You tried to save yourself. You tried everything, didn't you? Praying, reading, listening, crying, behaving, defending the truth. Sometimes you had hope. And sometimes you saw the possibility to be saved so you could breathe again. And you saw the willingness of the Savior that encouraged you. But did you not come to the real deed of faith? You did. There were times that you could not but believe. The Lord has given that way. It was given to you. And the Holy Spirit persuaded you to come. You came. Not? You also remember darker times. And maybe today is such a dark day. Dear child of God, even if you wonder again, if you're a child of God, listen again. Look unto me. People of the Lord, he is speaking again. Look unto me and be saved. Even if you don't feel saved anymore, be saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. The book of Avink continues with a sermon about a completely different text. And maybe someday I will preach that, that, that as well. 
But let me already mention it. John 6, verse 65. And he said, Therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. No, that does not contradict it. It complements it. The Lord continues with saving a people from their sins. The first sermon is on the outer car, and the second is on the inner car. But the common car and the outer car have the same foundation. The same foundation is the word of the living God. Suppose the Lord Jesus will be in our midst tonight. And he would say, look unto me. Suppose. But he is. He is here tonight. In his divine nature. And he is saying it personally to the younger ones and the boys and the girls, to all of us. Look unto me. Be saved. Doesn't matter who you are. Wherever you live, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and none else. Don't seek salvation and joy anywhere else but in Him. Amen.